we build spiritual family and the needs that arise from each spiritual family are typically how an incarnational ministry might occur. Welcome to Faithful Innovation. I'm Tina Jason. I love learning about the way God's love motivates how people serve the world. Hearing authentic personal stories deepens my understanding of how God transforms regular work and everyday encounters into acts of grace. Join me as I seek out ordinary people in cities, suburbs, small towns, and rural places who are doing extraordinary things. The goal, to inspire a wholesome expression of faith in your life, ministry, or business. Well, hello. I hope you're having a great day. Before we get started, I need to ask your forgiveness. We had a bit of technical difficulty when recording. For some unknown reason, the sound buffered a few times. And I've done my best to work around it. It's not too distracting. So thanks in advance for your understanding. My guests today are Jason and Ashley Phelps, worship leaders at Oikos Church in Houston, Texas, and the spiritual parents of the homebrewed missional community in the near Northside neighborhood of Houston. That's a mouthful. They both helped plant this new congregation in the fall of 2013 and are deeply committed to being disciple makers in the context of spiritual family on mission and seeking to establish other missional communities within Houston's inner core, the area within the I-610 loop. Jason and Ashley are parents to three children, Isabella, Ileana, and Porter. They enjoy opening their home, CrossFit, camping in their new pop-up camper, which they tell me is a Texas essential for year-round camping, and playing music as the homesteaders. Make sure to stick around to the end where we'll close with one of their original pieces. Jason and Ashley, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. The question we get started with is if you would each just talk about your faith backgrounds growing up. Sure. Ash, do you want to go first? Sure. So I grew up uh, in rural Southern Maryland, about 60 miles south of Washington, D.C., and I grew up Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod my entire life. My dad grew up in St. Louis and uh, right near the SEM there in Collinsville, Illinois, and so that's been a part of my family's faith tradition for a long time. So I, I went to a really, really tiny LCMS church in St. Mary's County, Maryland, then um, moved to Texas and was a teacher at a Lutheran school in downtown, which is where I met Jason, and then started leading worship there. Um, and then we started what we're doing now. And I also, I grew up in a Lutheran church, Missouri Synod, uh, grew up in Napa, California, at St. John's Lutheran there, and went to the Lutheran Day School there, preschool through eighth grade. And after that, I got into high school, and really it wasn't until maybe junior year, senior year of high school where I really began following Jesus um, and being excited about that. I was a musician, and so I was very active in a number of youth groups around town from a number of different denominations. I, I think I was a part of five different youth groups that I was leading worship for, you know, just a bunch of high school friends and stuff like that and, and, and youth group together. And it was uh, in high school where... You know, the Lord spoke to me, and, and I believe that He put on my heart to go into full-time ministry uh, to become a director of Christian education. And that, and that was in sophomore year that I kind of heard the call of the Lord when I was on a Mexico mission trip down in Ensenada. And so, really, ever since sophomore year of high school, I knew I wanted to go to Concordia to become a DCE, and went to Concordia Seward and graduated from there. Did my DCE internship in Quad Cities, Iowa. Then took my first call to downtown Houston and ended up uh, eventually planting what is Oikos Church 
back in 2013, and I'm full-time staff working with Pastor Aaron Lytle, uh, and him and I are going on our 11th year of ministry together. So you grew up on opposite coasts and compromised in Texas. (laughs) That's right. Met met in the middle of the country, yes. So our families still live on opposite sides, so we get to trade back and forth where we're going for holidays. Cool. Describe what you're doing now and maybe the experiences that led up to that and helped shape it. In 2013, we got to plant a new church, a new Lutheran church called Oikos. And uh, Oikos is a Greek word, and it means the extended family, the household. And so when you read in the New Testament, whether it's uh, Cornelius or whether it's the centurion, we read that when they embraced Jesus as their Savior, their whole household was baptized, which is their, their whole Oikos. And so so what we do is that we're a church that is made up of smaller spiritual families who live on mission together throughout the inner city of Houston. We develop spiritual family. Currently, we have nine missional, what we call missional communities, which is our vehicle to help create family. And we're committed to Houston's core. So for those who are familiar with Houston, it's, um, there's a 610 loop. That's the highway that runs around, which is roughly a four to five mile radius around downtown. So we want to see Every nook and cranny of Houston's inner core have a gospel presence. So maybe that's a missional community. Maybe it is a church plant. Anywhere that we can create kind of a house of peace, a spiritual family within the inner core. We uh, are excited about living a life together of real and deep, meaningful relationships where our regular friends and our work friends and our church friends aren't segregated and siloed, but we try as best we can to develop a culture where we have one life, And we have a network of relationships. So we have a rhythm of our temple time together once a month, Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We worship together, but then our missional communities typically gather once a week as well. And and then all, you know, in between. So, you know, if we're going to go get popsicles as a family or snow cones, we'll invite our spiritual family and our friends and our neighbors into that rhythm. And we do CrossFit as well. And that's been a great outlet. A lot of the ministry happens within the context of whichever neighborhood or the needs of the spiritual families that arise. We're not a very programmatic church or a church that has a bunch of different ministries. We build spiritual family and the needs that arise from each spiritual family are typically how an incarnational ministry might occur. For Ashley and I, we're the worship leaders. And so we have a lot of just influence within our worship life with specific to our gathered worship time on Sundays and stuff. But we're very passionate about being worship leaders who are growing as spiritual parents, who are leading a spiritual family on mission, and that our ministry together as a family is one that goes beyond the stage on Sunday mornings and into our making disciples within our neighborhood and our spiritual family called Homebrewed. Some people who listen may not be familiar with the concept of missional community. How might people come into relationship with your community? We have had folks that worship with us at Oikos, so people who we've been connected with for a long time. I know that right now we're sort of in a season of cultivating new people. Our core people that had been with it, with us in our missional community have now gone to plant theirs. So our house used to be super packed on our MC nights. Now it's a little smaller, which it's nice, you know, to have the, the ebb and flow of that. So we had a bunch of people that were with us that started with us when we planted Oikos. Um, and like I said, they've now gone on to plant their own. We're finding other people is that newer people who are coming in, people who maybe worship with us on Sundays, but maybe haven't been 
plugged into that, want to see what that's about, you know, and so we're, we're constantly extending that invitation, you know, both to people that we're developing new relationships with at church, but also people in our neighborhood, you know, all of our neighbors around us, we moved into our neighborhood, what, three years ago? Mm-hmm. Three yeah, years 2000, ago in- 2015. Yeah. So it's been really cool to see the growth in our neighborhood and, and some of those people stepping in. So with our MC occasionally, like when it's one of our kids' birthdays, so we have an 11-year-old or no, she just turned 12, not 11, 12-year-old, a four-year-old and a three-year-old. So we've got birthdays all over the place. So, you know, we might have a birthday celebration that we tie in with our MC time and invite our neighbors to come and be a part of that. And they get to step in and see who we are, what we do. There's not really much of a question about what we're <laughs> what we're about um, as far as the people who meet us and stuff. So we've really started fostering relationships with our neighbors, but also the folks that come in and play with us in the band. So like our drummer, Adrian, um, is somebody who is a very big part of our family and our family life and our kids' lives. They end up coming in and being a part of it. And then as they feel ready and as the Lord leads, they start to see, okay, here's how we do this. Then they go out and they start their own missional community and start inviting people into their life. And so it's more of an, a multiplication view as opposed to addition. Yeah, as far as numbers, I was recently just kind of reviewing who has stepped foot into our home at least once between people at, at Oikos, people in our neighborhood, and people in, you know, we meet around town, around 100 people through our missional community. We had a core of probably about 25 people. I mean, they can range anywhere from five to 30 people. And at the end of the day for us uh, is that it's about building family. Real relationships, I'm learning that they take a lot of time and, and that's okay. When you gather, you've talked about missional community and welcoming people to your home. And I hear a flow of the normal rhythms of life, but then a, there's probably an intentionality to that of times that you gather as a missional community. Can you just share what, what happens in the context of that kind of setting? We highly value what we like to call predictable patterns. Our gathering, our structured gathering, what we would call our missional community gathering for us happens on a weekly basis. That weekly predictability, it provides on-ramps into family so that our neighbors know that, well, the Phelps family has people over every Friday night. Um, and so they know that we're accessible and our home is open every Friday. And there's just something about that predictability that provides trust and that we're praying too that, you know, that as our neighbors, maybe they're hurting and maybe they need us, maybe they're lonely. They know where we're at and they know that we're open. And so really, it's, it really provides an engine to keep things going because uh, if it wasn't predictable and on the calendar, I would probably, it would be something, my good intentions wouldn't be enough to keep things going. And so when you would enter into our home, it's not, it's like a small group, but it's not because it really, we try and balance just this life of our family rhythm, time with God, time with other believers, and then also that we're accessible in in having time with people who don't follow Jesus. And so we have that balance with this missional community is that it's open. It's a time together to build family. We make it highly invitational. We want it to be a place where people, regardless of their faith, whether they believe, whether they don't believe, that they aren't threatened by being there. We want people to belong to our family even before they believe. Um, And I think that's important. Mm -hmm. And so 
Um, I have a buddy who lives up in Kansas City, and he always talks about spending kingdom currency in the context of missional community or when you have people in your home or sitting at the same table, is that when people are around us, are they experiencing Jesus? Are they experiencing the things of the kingdom of God? Are they experiencing the fruit of the Spirit? You know, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and forgiveness um, and, you know, and all these things. Um, that they might experience a deep love when they are with us, that they have a place in our family. We don't sit around and we don't do a Bible study. And really what the evening consists of is that if it's from 6 to 8 p.m., usually from 6 to 6.30, we're hanging out and we're talking. If new people show up, we're getting to know them. 6.30, we all kind of gather around our kitchen island and we all share something that we're thankful for. Um, That we believe that just simply giving thanks together is a way of sharing our testimony, a very easy way. And we know that in Revelation that we're encouraged that Satan is defeated by first by the blood of Jesus, but then also by the word of our testimony. It's so easy to get distracted and so easy to be dismayed, so easy to be fearful, so easy to be weighed down just simply by sharing a word of thanksgiving, sharing something we're thankful for as simple as I'm thankful I'm alive, or I'm thankful to be here. I'm thankful for the shoes I have on my feet, is that it can really start to recenter us into a posture, a thankful posture of contentment, which really provides a breeding ground for the joy uh, that the presence of Christ brings into our life. And so we'll all go around, we'll share, maybe we'll pray after each Thanksgiving is shared, that maybe, you know, we might ask, you know, hey, does somebody else could somebody else use that or could somebody else need that or somebody else thankful for that? We'll pray that the kingdom of God would break through. We'll pray for our meal. We'll just, we'll hang out for Ash and I, who are, who've been discipled to be the spiritual parents of what is homebrewed missional community is that we're always keeping an ear on the Lord and an ear on the conversation. And so we're looking for opportunities. You know, is the Lord saying something in this? Uh, And those also whom we are discipling within our spiritual family is that they're also being discipled to look for the same things that as we're gathering is that we are looking for spiritual conversations that arise naturally and so that we can talk about Jesus. We can pray for one another. We can encourage one another. And so really that's what it is. There could be a big temptation to say like, well, why aren't we doing a Bible study? Or I think that's kind of the default of the church is Bible study. Well, what we try and do at Oikos is encourage people to read the word on their own. You know, we gather daily. Um, the entire church does for those who can make it every Monday through Thursday, where we talk about what the Lord is saying to us and uh, over a, a common scripture that we're reading. And so, um, so yeah, missional communities, it builds family, builds relationships, welcomes in the person who doesn't know the Lord, and it provides just a predictable pattern for people to come into family. If there's a person or a story without revealing any personal information, maybe describe a way that somebody who was outside the family and maybe interested or seeking God, but not really in relationship with God, how you've seen God work in somebody's life through this missional community rhythm and being in connection with your family, not just your own nuclear family, but your whole missional family. Recently, uh, at least just fairly recently, we've had someone who's come in and He's dabbled at coming to Oikos a few times and coming to devotions because, um, you know, like Jason said, we gather Monday through Thursday at the Target Starbucks and we all do the Moravian daily readings and then that's our discussion. And 
So he's come to that a few times. He's come to our home and is in fairly regular communication with us, but was, was very candid about being willing to say like, it's not that I don't believe, I don't know. I don't know what I believe, you know, kind of saying that I'm not saying no, I'm just saying, I don't know. And has been spending time. He came in that one, one or two times that he's been here with us. But then this last week coming to devotions, when he was at devotions, was able to say something that he noticed in the readings for someone who has been sort of okay with saying that they are, that they're far from Jesus or that they're just not sure about that. And for him to have something to contribute from the discussion of this is what I've noticed in here. I don't necessarily know exactly where his heart is right now and and all of that. But to me, I thought that was something that was definitely a, a posture turned. I think we also really had an opportunity maybe a number of years ago, year or two ago, we had a young woman who was brought to us. She had been in a very, very, very bad position. We were contacted and said, hey, can this person come stay with you? And it just happened to be our missional community night. We said, okay. And she was in a fairly bad position as far as trying to get out of a very just not healthy relationship and showed up at our house. And we didn't know her. We had never met her in our lives, had no clue who she was. And she was brought and dropped off to our house. <laughs> and everyone was there. And there were some visible signs of, of some physical trauma and, and things like that. And Everybody was very welcoming from the get-go. Um, that was before a lot of our people had dispersed. So we had this core of these people who, who not only were well-trained, I think, as far as just what it looked like to be living in, in this missional setting, but also they were all people who had been discipled for a number of years. And so, you know, obviously could read the situation and were able to just be welcoming and invite this person in. Now, she was somebody that I have not seen her again since then. She spent the, you know, she stayed the night with us and we had to get her on an airplane the next day to get somewhere else. And we haven't seen her since, but it was really cool to just see that of all the nights, it wasn't just Jason and I to care for somebody in a, in a very challenging situation where I know that if it had just been the two of us, I was thankful for the people that do walk along with us that were able to be there and lend an ear and, and some words. And, and then with her staying the night afterward, you know, she did have a lot of questions about like, so these people come and just hang out with you. She had a lot of great questions about it. There's something intriguing about it to somebody who doesn't actively live this way. You know, I think there's something that is attractive about it because people want as you know, as much as we live in the society of people having, you know, mom, dad, and 2.4 kids or whatever the uh, <laughs> statistics are with that, there is something for people I think that really is, that is very appealing about the idea of living with other people and living that way, you know, it's, <laughs> sorry, we have a little person who's really interested. This world is really good at, I think, shallow relationships. And I'm just learning what it looks like to have deep relationships. And it takes vulnerability and, and transparency and, and trust. What I just love, I think, about the first gentleman that you're talking about is that, uh, you know, sometimes people, they eat by themselves. They don't have people who they're able to live life with. And so we provide a, just a, a place and a table and a meal for many people who are lonely. And I think that's just a wonderful thing that people, I think they're thirsty for a community. So I think you kind of have people who are lonely and who aren't living life with another group of people. Then you also have others who don't necessarily recognize how lonely they are, that think they have deep relationships that maybe don't. 
those are a little bit more tricky. What do you feel like God is teaching you as you live this lifestyle and work with people within Oikos and beyond? Definitely right now in this season, as someone who's kind of, I would say that my base ministry role per the Ephesians 4 text is that I'm an evangelist. And I can pretty readily admit that I'm a pretty immature evangelist. Where that often gets me is that I can have really good surface level conversations. I can get people maybe inside the door of my house, but then actually pastoring, shepherding, and staying in touch and the follow through of building deep relationships with those who've been in my door. That's an area where I am really focusing on growing in. And with that requires the ability of being able to pay attention and make eye contact and that kind of thing. So that's, that's something that the Lord is, is working on me in this current season is paying attention and then in following through with relationships and, and as well as releasing this to the Lord, that if the Lord doesn't want to bring anybody to our house on a missional community night, that's okay. We'll count it and consider it a blessing that it's a little time of rest for the evenings where maybe we have a full house then we'll give thanks for that. We're not going to get caught up in this race of the metrics of our missional community being how many people we have. And so I'm just continuing to learn to submit to the Lord and to pray and to know that he's in control. And am I praying for my neighbors? Am I praying for my neighborhood? Am I praying for the people of Oikos? Am I praying for my kids? Am I praying for my family? And first and foremost, too, is continuing for me to to consider it pure joy that I get to invest in my family the majority of the week, and my own wife and my own kids. Because if my own kids and my own family aren't healthy, what on earth am I inviting my neighbors into on a Friday night? Just learning, too, that in full-time ministry, my family is a priority, and that we get to do this together. How about you, Ashley? Jason and I are very, we make a good team. We balance well. So for me, I tend to be where Jason likes to have, like, he'll enjoy having, like, 10 or 15, like, small conversations, one or two really in-depth conversations. And so for me with MC, just being a bit more of, that I am more introverted and all of that, and admittedly that sometimes living missionally and living the way that we do, I know that it is harder for me than it is for my husband, that I am somebody who I really not that I love like having a ton of alone time, but I like having time to really just unplug, be by myself, to reflect, things like that. But I think that the Lord lately has really been working on me just in the level to which I love people. Before I moved to Texas, I was an actor. Um, so I went to school for, for uh, music and theater and was an actor, which is why I moved to Texas. And it was really easy in that industry to have very surface level relationships, you know, especially because we're all great at acting. We're all great at putting on this mask, you know. Uh, I, I spent a whole lot of money to learn how to put on a mask and to pretend to be someone else. And the Lord, I think, has really been teaching me that in those depth of relationships that I don't have to become somebody that I'm not in order for my relationships to deepen but rather that there is a reason and a purpose that God created me the way he did with the things that I love, the things that I am not great at, the things that I am good at, 
and being okay with being myself in the context of that and how that deepens my relationships. Because if I, I know I've used to spend so much energy of like, well, I'm with these people. And so I, I like these things and I do these things, you know, instead of being okay with really just, no, you know what? I don't like, like, I know Jason loves to bike ride and he loves mountain biking and all of that. And I remember him talking about that early on in our relationship as something that he really enjoyed doing. And I was like, oh, biking's fun, you know? So I have my bike and everything. I hate riding a bike. I absolutely hate riding a bike. <laughs> like, there are a million other things I would rather do than go bike riding. <laughs> like, I'm finally okay with saying that. But, you know, for so long it was like, I have to say that I like these things because I'm with these people and it's what they like as opposed to being okay with, no, who I am and I like these things I don't like these things I'm good at this I'm not good at that because I think that's what diversifies a family too you know it's so easy for us to really fall into that temptation with I think people that you know when we're related by blood there's just something about that that makes us like ultra comfortable with being okay with saying I don't care that you like that and that I like this whatever but like when it comes to friends and as we're moving our people from being friends to being family, there is this like temptation to be like super homogenous, you know, and instead of being able to celebrate the differences that people have. And so I think that that's really where the Lord has been working on me is me being okay with being Ashley um, because that's who he made me. He didn't make me to be one of the other women that I live my life with on a regular basis. And so instead of trying to change the things that I love or change who I am or be something else is being able to say, great, here is what I am. What, do, what can I bring to the table with that? And I think that's where he's been pushing me quite a bit in the last couple of years. <laughs> what do you see in your children? How do you see this helping them develop? <laughs> they love they love it. They like oddly so. Like yeah, like they will. They'll they'll ask, "Are we having people over tonight?" And if we say no, like they'll moan and groan. They're and like, they ask that question like almost every night. Are our friends coming over? No, not yeah. tonight. And like they will when we say yes and stuff. You know, so on a Michelin community night, like especially Porter, he will jump and scream and all this kind of stuff. So it's a uh, it's good. I didn't grow up. I did not grow up living life like this with people in our home. I know. You didn't in this way either. We had uh, one other family growing up just with military stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, and all, all three of our kids love it. Um, and when you talk about it takes a village to raise a child, our kids mm. have a large village. That I think, I'm a stay-at-home mom right now. And that is, for me, that is such a blessing like that. Our kids love it. You know, and we've talked about before, and I know I've said a number of times, isn't it weird? So our middle daughter, Ileana, she's four, and she was our first baptism at Oikos. And so I'm like, she will never know what it's like to not live this way. The way that we talk to people sometimes about it, and they go, well, that's strange. Like, our kids will think, this is what you do. And as a stay-at-home mom, knowing that I have other women that love my kids fiercely, you know, that they, it's not just that they're friends. We've got about, oh, three surrogate grandmas, one of which they call Mimi and have no idea that Mimi is not actually their Mimi. And these are people who, who love our kids and are willing to step in. You know, it's not just the standing back and saying, 
well, you should do this or you should do that, that they are willing to step in and speak into our kids' lives. And that is, um, it is, it's powerful that they get these different views all centered around Jesus, but these different voices also gives me, I think, the comfort as a mom going to that, shoot, if I don't know the right answer, which is like 90% of the time, there's, there's somebody around me who probably does and who is going to be willing to step in and help out with that. And that's good. <laughs> that's always good. How might you encourage someone who, you know, has been living uh, the typical rhythm that maybe relationships are at a more cordial level? How might you encourage them just to step into that deeper relationship with people? The first step, I think it's, it's very simple, yet it's very hard, can be, is to simply start opening your home. Not for our, any type of program or anything like that. One of the biggest hurdles is moving from a mindset and a culture of what Mike and Sally Breen call family and mission versus family on mission. So the culture that we desire and I would encourage is what does it look like to be a family on mission? What does it look like to start opening up your home and to start inviting whole families to avoid the temptation of doing a Bible study and to just start living life together? Take it from a professional relationship to a familial relationship. If folks listening would want to be in touch with you in some way, how might they reach you? Sure. Um, the Oikos website is the Oikos. That's T H E O I K O S dot org. And you go to the website and then you can click on our staff and leadership page. And there you'll find us with all of our contact info. Either of us on Facebook. If you don't have fake <laughs> names or anything on there, we're pretty easy to find. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So. Great. Well, I'll include those in the post that goes with this episode. And I just want to thank you. And these conversations are just different pictures of how people are sharing God's grace in their own unique way. So I really appreciate your time and sharing how you're doing that and helping others do the same. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. I really appreciated the way both Jason and Ashley spoke about the ways God is growing their ability to develop true and authentic relationships. You really can't hurry that along. It takes time to build a trusting friendship. Again and again, I'm reminded that relationships develop at the speed of trust. This is true for relationships between people and relationship between a person and God. The questions that surfaced for me during this conversation were, in what ways am I building true relationships with people because I care about them, not because I want them to do something or become something? What might I need to do to move beyond surface-level relationships to true and lasting friendship that welcomes people into my life, not just a segregated part of it, but my one whole and integrated life? In creating this podcast, I saw these conversations as a springboard and I wanted to create a space where that could continue. So I created the Faithful Innovation private Facebook group, where each week I post the questions that come to my mind. I'd love it if you jump in, share your thoughts, or post your own questions. If these episodes begin to move you towards action, and you're looking for a place to work it out, my website has a resource that you might find helpful, a free ebook titled, Begin Where You Are, When We Dare to Imagine you'll receive a few complimentary resources over a couple of weeks in addition to the book to keep the process moving. 
Several people have said that the thoughts and questions it contained were just what they needed. Sometimes we also need space to share our ideas out loud. If that's you, I welcome you to schedule a complimentary conversation. It's my gift to you. And everything we've mentioned in this episode can be found at faithfulinnovation.com. Just enter Jason or Ashley in the search and it will come right up. Our closing song today is titled Walk On, written and performed by Jason and Ashley as the Homesteaders. I hope you enjoy it. So make it a great day and find your unique way to share the love of God with the people you encounter. Bye for now. the day you've been called by grace today is the day he has shown you the way The path will be rough His grace is enough Walk on my toes and shine Never lose sight Keep your eyes wide open Walk on my your faith and sends your small keep on walking don't believe his lies just dust your knees you got endless tries look for the one who makes you fall seals your faith and sends
never lose sight Keep your eyes wide open Walk on my time